Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to episode 117 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. And joining us tonight for the third time, you know her as the director of the short films Call Girl, 42 Counts and One Last Meal, also the short film The Stylist and now the feature The Stylist. It's a warm welcome back to Jill Gavargazian. Jill, hello. Hello, I'm so glad to be back to continue oh. our very important series. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, of course, Jill, are delighted to have you back. And I think it's important to very quickly mention that I feel like the quality is taking a real nosedive. I'm not sure I feel. I will say that this one is more like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Are we mm-hmm. saying the title yet? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so, Jill, the last time that you were here, it was episode 67. Wow. Uh, so it was almost exactly a year ago. It was a week before Fright Fest last year. And, uh, yeah, after you came on the first time and did Anaconda, we decided, or we kind of took it into our heads, that we were going to do the entire series, um, of which there are four plus Lake Placid versus Anaconda. So um, <laughs> for episode 67, of course, we did Anaconda's Hunt for the Blood Orchid. And here we are again to do the 2008 made-for-TV sequel, Donnie Falteroy's Anaconda Offspring. The reason we're doing this is because my love for the original Anaconda is so strong that I, by default, have to pretend to defend all <laughs> Anaconda things. Is it truly that strong? I do love Anaconda, but I mean, these sequels aren't great. <laughs> I am. Um, I think that we're about to find out the true limits of that love. I think that this this may push the boundaries <laughs> of that like to unprecedented lengths. So yeah. yes, uh, Anaconda three, Anaconda Offspring, uh, starring David Hasselhoff of all people. Joel, had you seen this before? I had not. I just watched it last night. Okay. <laughs> very thorough notes as I was watching. Good. Good. Really, though, one of the positive things I can say is it's super gory. This one's like more structured and approached like a slasher. It's like crazy amount of kills, super gory. Um, I don't think the other two were like that. This, yeah, I think that that, certainly not to this extent. uh, This (laughs) dials that up to a, a massive degree. And we'll get into it, actually. But like this really weird mixture of really dreadful CG and decent practical stuff, I think. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. my thoughts, Mitch. Okay, so uh, ordinarily we would have the guests do the 30-second synopsis, but none of us have really chosen this, or it's arguable that we've all kind of signed up to do this together. True. So um, I guess only one of the three of us can do the 30-second synopsis this week. Who wants to do it? Did I do the last one? I feel like I did the last one. If you did the last one, then it, by default, it's my turn. But um, I don't really know where to start, but and, but, and I haven't prepared. You know, normally if, I, if, if I'm doing one, I've, I've had a time to think. Mm. And it hadn't really occurred to me until right now that I might have to do it. Well, it's only fair that you don't have any pre- preparation time. Like your guests 
that's that, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Mitch, I'll tell you where to start. I'll start by putting thirty seconds on the clock. Okay. okay. And then I'll tell you when to begin. How's that? Okay, let's do that. Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, our story begins at the Wexel Hall Pharmaceuticals Company, who are trying to develop a serum based on the Blood Orchid stuff from Anaconda 2. Um, the research facility gets kind of trashed and a bunch of people die because of a giant anaconda. And then a bunch of animal hunters are called in to try and stop the anacondas, one of whom is Hammett, played by David Hasselhoff, and loads of people die. Fine, great, yeah. Seven seconds left. Good. I maybe possibly thought that there was a little bit more narrative complexity going on than there was. Mm, um, no. I was very panicked for like the first five seconds, and then I was like, hang on a minute, this is really easy. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I was trying to figure out, okay, did they find the serum at the end of Anaconda 2, or was what, weren't they talking about it the whole time? I can't remember. The whole point was finding that. But then, I've got a recollection of there being a big pit full of fucking snakes right like literally fucking snakes yes and i remember was it not lined with blood orchids or something like that and then it all blew up where did did the serum come from the blood orchid what are we even like what the hell is going on here (laughs) we are off to a flyer here i'm very happy with it i want to know the connection The uh, so I'm just very quickly trying to because I think that it is actually important that we re- take a moment to refamiliarize ourselves with the conclusion of Anaconda 2 because as we've established, it ties in enormously. I um, have no idea much how Anaconda but, 2 ended, I didn't revisit it, I didn't even look at Wikipedia. Well, I'm doing that right now, and I can tell you that they uh, they find the blood orchids hanging over a pit, as you say, of giant fornicating snakes. Yeah. Um, uh, we have people threatening to drop the flowers into a pit. I'm just very quickly trying to figure out whether or not no any, any of these actually got out of there. They were seeking that that flower because something within the flower could grant longer life. Yes. Now, how that actually connects to the anaconda at all? Remember, we decided like this was probably a movie just called The Hunt for the Blood Orchid, and then they added anacondas into it later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Theories. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so all of the blood orchids got destroyed at the end of the last film, which I guess makes sense because so they obviously know that that exists, but they also know that the supply of them got destroyed. So they're now trying to, to I guess, artificially develop this serum with the assistance, presumably, of the anacondas that they are testing on in this facility, this we- this um, uh, Wexel Hall place that we that we start this film in. Well, uh, yeah, Mitch, yeah. it's important to mention that that only the snakes can survive; no mammals can survive them. The, like the testing of the serum upon them <laughs> that's actually i'm realizing this blood orchid serum stuff is still has no real connection to the anacondas but then in part three they had to then decide okay well, they're the only ones that can handle it so we're testing it on them here's how it's still connected <laughs> Yeah, which when you think about it, it doesn't really hang together because it's like, right, these are the only the, the only animals that can survive the serum. We need to test it on them. It's like, surely it would be better to test it on, not to be kind of mercilessly pro-animal testing, which I'm not, but just using the, using the <laughs> logic of the film. Surely it would make sense to, when you're developing something, test it on animals it would ordinarily kill, and then when it stops killing them, that's how you know you're making progress. 
Fair. But yeah, I think that it's probably worth mentioning. Uh, J.D. Murdoch, our kind of like central villain here, played by uh, John Rhys Davis, who Amazing. is having a fucking great time. John Rhys Davis, he's in the Indiana Jones films. He's Gimli the Dwarf. He he's having an amazing time in this for some reason. <laughs> And then in the beginning, I thought, isn't he with this group? I can't fucking remember. Yeah, uh, he he shows up to this facility, which is I am assuming is kind of like a branch of a company that he owns. And it's this mm. kind of like very high-end research facility. But when he's walking around, it's like he's seeing it for the first time. <laughs> he walks into every room and he's like, oh, very impressive. It's like, you're the CEO and like there's some very, very like kind of high impact, high stakes research going on here. My assumption would be that you don't get to where you are now without having looked in on this at least once before. It's true, Mitch, but I don't want to keep harking back to Gremlins too, but Daniel Clamp does a very similar thing in a building that he owns, one singular building that he also works in. I'm surprised that so much of this seems to come as a shock to him. Mm. By the way, just uh, for the avoidance of any weirdness, there is a bit in a fake jungle at the start with a very sleepy, tired-looking snake. <laughs> I am very confused by the location of this movie because it's it starts Romania. like a jungle and then suddenly... They're like next to a suburban neighborhood, but it seems like it's the same place. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, suburban neighborhood, jungle, farmhouse, national park. <laughs> I, don't know what's I don't even know. Did they transport locations? Because they didn't, because that chick is running through the same forest and suddenly they're at the pharmaceutical place. <laughs> See, yeah, this this confused me as well because as you say, Andy, there's a pre-credit sequence uh, where we briefly meet David Hasselhoff's character, Hammett. There's a very bloody snake attack actually in it, which I actually thought was pretty decent apart from the kind of the ropey CG. But the actual title, the actual credit sequence because that sequence with David Hasselhoff... Are we calling him David Hasselhoff or Hammett here, by the way? I think David Hasselhoff's better for the avoidance yeah. of doubt. I don't know who anyone is, so it's like, blonde chick, this dude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly okay. the same. Yeah. Okay, in that case, in that case, we'll call him David Hasselhoff, lest you confuse him with anybody else in the film. Because <laughs> you're right, Jill. It's like we start in this jungle, air quotes, where they dispatch the snake and we realize that um, David Hasselhoff and crew are like snake hunters. But then over the credit sequence, we have this woman jogging through and I was like, this can't be the same jungle. <laughs> but then to throw further confusion onto things, she glances through the trees and she sees a jeep driving along a tarmac road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that supposed to be Hasselhoff? No, that's, uh, what's his name? That's Murdoch. Well, and okay, also this title, or the credit sequence, has a total like psycho score ripoff. <laughs> yeah. At first, I'm like, why are we seeing this woman? Oh, of course, she's the scientist that calls the snake her baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the woman that we're talking about here is uh, Amanda Hayes. Yep, she's yeah. a resident herpetologist. Okay. But yeah, we, we do meet Amanda Hayes during this kind of walk-around tour that J.D. Murdoch is getting at this facility and this testing. His tour guide is this incredibly kind of like wimpy, downtrodden corporate shill called Pincus. <laughs> yes! <laughs> what a perfect name. Yeah, uh-huh. You could, you could, like, that sounded like a writer's room thing, wasn't it? It's like, it's the kind of name that you would give, like, a nerd character in an 80s high school comedy. Yeah, and he is quite nerdy, and he's he's, he's very kind of sycophantic and snivelling. But uh, several times in this first couple of minutes, I think uh, Murdoch threatens to stick his foot into his rectum. <laughs> 
Wait, the, the, this sequence, I think, is when dude, this boss dude, what the hell's his name again? Murdoch says. <laughs> he's talking about the snake, and he's like completely motionless, just like my first wife. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah th- that's that's a very much a kind of like, we see when you see characters doing that now, you're just like, oh, I see, I understand, this guy's an asshole. And then he does it again, like, a minute later. Ah, uh, Mitch, yeah. you know that it's standard, my wife's a fat bitch, pleasantries between casual acquaintances. Sure, Andy. Let's call them pleasantries. Great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, you're quite right, Joel. That is exactly when this happens. Uh, so Amanda comes out and kind of, uh, and she kind of sasses him and basically says, uh, she kind of starts kind of pointing out all the things that are wrong and how this is slipping up. They're understaffed. They're under pressure. They don't have the resources they need. I'm quite impressed by the fact that Murdoch encouragingly just kind of listens to her and uh, tells Pincus that this needs to improve. He doesn't specifically give him any suggestions as to how to do it. He just tells him to get his fucking act together. Mm. <laughs> and he's right. I'd like to comment that sequence has really jacked up ADR. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe I'm paying attention to it because I'm dealing with post-sound right now. <laughs> it was, I was like, wow. Uh, have, you, have, you got your, uh, have you got your post-production hat on when you're watching this? <laughs> A little bit. Yeah, that's, that's hazardous territory given what we're looking at here. Yeah, this must be a fucking nightmare <laughs> for you. <laughs> So uh, Murdoch uh, very wisely and very sagely shines a torch in an anaconda's face and then acts surprised when it freaks out. And they have to gas it to calm it down. And, and like we touched on it briefly before, this is the first time where we see a couple of people getting killed when the snake wakes up. Andy, you were texting me during the week when you were watching this, and you said that, like the up close, the practical stuff in this is actually like pretty competent quite a lot of the time. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like there's there's a, a moment where she's kind of walking through what is ultimately carnage in this building, and there's corpses everywhere. But there's some really decent practical effects on show. It's just a shame that anything. <laughs> it's not even that the snake's terrible, right? I mean, it is. But I think the most egregiously bad CG effects is anything to do with the background while someone's driving a car. Yeah. Like so, after they've calmed the snake down, it's kind of a it's kind of a false sense of security because the snake then immediately wakes up and smashes through the glass and uh, <laughs> kills a lab assistant called Daryl who had been given off big red shirt energy from pretty much the start of the scene. So I wasn't surprised to see him go. Sure, Mitch. I've written two things over and over in my notes. One of them is, and then they immediately die. Uh, <laughs> And the other is unleashes a hail of bullets. <laughs> uh, that's really this whole film summed up. That actually just like in the in the snake attack in the in the opening sequence, everyone turns round and rains a hail of gunfire on that snake. But like five people do it with semi-automatic guns, and so many guns and gunshots. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I feel like about like conservatively like thirty percent of this film is people fighting guns at snakes. Mitch, That's... Not, Mitch there is not a, a snake anywhere. There's not even a puppet snake. This is people firing guns at uh, nothing. That's very true, I guess. But um, that's that sequence for one thing. That's hilarious to me. Like, uh, but also the way that it was sound designed, I was like, did this snake attacking happen in exact synchronicity with a nuclear strike? <laughs> <laughs> but so, when this kills that freaking lab dude and like smashes him against the wall is pretty awesome. I was quite in for that. I felt like they're just like shit hit the fan, and I was thinking to myself like, okay, is this the rest of the movie? Them like stuck in this building trying to like not get eaten by a snake <laughs> and at the point, i was also thinking like oh wow i wonder if hasselhoff was only like in that opening scene and that's it <laughs> yeah 
back like a few minutes later. Before we get out of this, we discover that uh, not only has one of the snakes escaped, it's also freed the Queen Anaconda. Amanda is very sad uh, that the snake has claimed a second victim and we've lost Susan. I was less invested in this because I didn't know who the fuck Susan was. But the way the moment was pitched was like, uh, it was like a kind of like third act character death. And she was like, <laughs> we've lost Susan. I was like, okay. Maybe that was the name of the snake and they've literally Susan lost it. Susan doesn't even get a credit on IMDb that I can see. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so nobody was that attached. That's like that, that makes me feel a little better. So, Murdoch, understandably, very unhappy about this. Orders Pincus to call in some animal hunters. Also makes it clear that Pincus is going to be in for a really shit time until this whole mess is cleaned up. So, a proper character introduction for David Hasselhoff here, who... Oh. Well, yeah, I just, I just want to hear what everybody else thinks about how we properly meet him here in this... Is it a bar? Anyway. Well, my favourite thing about the introduction to David Hasselhoff proper in this is the really old, grainy stock footage of what looks like Italian streets, but it looks like it's taken in the 1970s. <laughs> My biggest thought was that this intro, even though we've already met it, <laughs> reminds me of when we meet the hunter in part two. Like, they go into the bar to find the dude, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's the same thing. Well remembered, yeah. Um... Although, creepy dude from part two, actually, wait, now I can't even. I am mixing up all all anacondas now. <laughs> I, I think I remember saying that the lead hunter in part two was attractive. Did I? I can't remember. I think he, I think he is. I remember. I, I remember him having a low cut shot and big arms <laughs> and being fairly attractive. Yeah, I think that the word sexy was lobbed around every now and again. <laughs> But yeah, Pincus calls David Hasselhoff, uh, who immediately is like, um, oh, don't tell me you didn't reinforce the cages and the giant snakes escaped. And Pincus is like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, that guy is creepy. That actor. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah um, uh, Ryan McCluskey, I think his name is, uh, making his second appearance on this show after Resident Evil. Oh, wow. Okay. Because for some reason, that was a piece of research that I felt like doing today. The animal hunters pitch up uh, without David Hasselhoff as yet. He's uh, making his way from wherever he was. Again, like confusing things still further because I was convinced that he was like three miles away because yeah. all of the woodland in this film was identical. Can, can I also ask, did he kill that guy when he like smashed the guy's face through the window, right? And then you see him lying on the ground with those really quite good lacerations on his face. And then he just burbles up all this blood. Like... Did he just, like, kill a guy and then wander off? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he was, he was like, doing some kind of deal with him, and then it all kind of went sour, and then they, they kind of had, like, a fist fight. But you're right, yeah, he, he made some kind of wisecrack. I forget what it was. But, yeah, it cut to the guy, and you're right, he was, like, lying on the ground, like, not moving, burbling up blood. That guy could have died. <laughs> By the way, Hasselhoff was selling ivory. Right, okay, okay. Hasselhoff is a, not liked by the PETA fam which is i like how it's referenced in this movie mm. <laughs> i'm sure they do not like that <laughs> yeah it's like yeah unsurprisingly uh raise the ire of peter the animal hunters show up they are i i think beyond the kind of leader guy and uh, the guy nick who will meet shortly every other one of the animal hunters i had written down as being interchangeably russian they are not dressed to hunt snakes like one guy's just like got a hoodie and a t-shirt on like, he just looks like a kind of street guy. Like, they're, they're really not ready for this. 
They're not ready for 60 foot snakes with barbed tails. Yeah, wait, what's up with the tails? Did they explain that the serum did this? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right, Jill. Um, there's the, what's happened here. Let me put it in layman's terms for both of you. Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> what's happened here is that the serum has gifted the snakes with enhanced strength and speed and also given them what appears to be acid spit uh-huh. in one moment and uh, barbed tails, much like the alien. The tail before that was explained, I have a note that's like, why does the end of their tail look like a medieval sword of some kind? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, is this ever going to be addressed? And then, of course, it was right after I asked that. But the, that snake uses that weapon constantly. Like It's like... <laughs> I could crush this guy, I could swallow this guy, but I'm just going to impale everyone I see. <laughs> to be fair, you know, it's like if I was a snake that just got a new sword tail, I'd want to show off too. Fair. <laughs> fair. The kind of de facto leader of the animal uh, of the animal hunter guys decides that they're going to move out without David Hasselhoff, which feels like a risky venture to me. That's Grozny, um, Mitch, that you're talking about. Grozny, okay, okay. Yeah, so this is what I'm talking about. I kind of felt like they had a couple that you were supposed to recognise, and then they gave the rest of them all Russian names and accents and didn't really give them any traits. That's right, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how they played that. But not that it matters, because they all fucking die anyway. But uh, Amanda heads out with the Hunters. One of my favourite things in general in film happens at this point, where we get uh, soft-focused sepia-tone flashbacks to things that we saw seven minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the last time that'll happen. Seven minutes ago. Well, you probably forgot. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, you know what's really comforting at the 20-minute mark in a film? quantifiable demonstrable proof that the filmmakers think i'm a moron <laughs> <laughs> or they like that unconfident in what they're trying to say they're like we need to make sure that they understand so we got to show this again <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe it's that maybe yeah it's like it's like it's just for narrative clarity it's just like mm, i'm not sure we're making this clear it's more like um because it happens again later on in the film kind of like an equidistant time from this particular point it's almost like previously on Act One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, at this point, we also meet Nick, who uh, is the kind of the kind of main, I would say, like B tier animal hunter. He's a sidekick, apparently a former boxer, very confident in his own ability to punch a sixty foot snake into unconsciousness. I kind of realized very quickly as well that despite the fact, I think that the only thing that really ties together all the hunters, the only trait that they really seem to have in common is that they're all kind of smart alecky in the same way that I found vaguely irritating. Uh, they say tough guy stuff like, uh, you don't have to like snakes, you just have to like killing them. <laughs> yeah, which I'm surprised our Amanda isn't upset by all this. I feel like she should be a little more caring about these snakes than she was right off the top. Like, these are snakes that she raised. She's calling them her, like, baby in the opening scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then she doesn't give a shit about, like, er like now we're going to kill them all. <laughs> yeah, she, 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 she certainly does bite her tongue quite a bit when all this kind of flagrant talk of animal abuse and animal murder is going on. <laughs> They did not make her a, a nice, well-rounded character. <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty wildly fluctuating opinions on the ethics of all this. <laughs> I said that'll happen in 2008. Things are changing fast. Yeah, yeah, thankfully. Next stop, Farm in the Woods. We meet a farmer whose pleasant life of farming is disrupted by a strange noise in a barn, then disrupted further by being eaten alive by a snake. He gets to see himself, like, 
eaten head like watching it slowly come up his body that was that was kind of awesome although it was all cg so he takes it really well he's just like oh well (laughs) he gives it his fate really quickly Uh uh-huh he he goes from like blind panic to resignation in like maybe about 10 seconds But unaware of all this, the hunters arrive at this very same farm. A couple of the particularly interchangeable ones are very quickly killed off. I think in reasonably okay ways. Dragosh and Grozny will lose here. I think Grozny by tail stab and uh, Dragosh by having his head bitten off. Didn't mind this as an overall piece of action, if you like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was where I definitely noticed the tail and how extreme it was. And I'm like, wait, why is it a medieval weapon? (laughs) (laughs) This really has made those snakes advanced. (laughs) I I tell you though, it says a lot about my like very shaky knowledge of snake biology that at no point when any of this was going on was I like, I'm not sure that's 100% plausible. (laughs) <laughs> guys by the way i'm sorry to disappoint you but i haven't prepared any further anaconda facts you know what there's a limited amount of them in the world andy you're not a magician you're only as good as what's in front of you i know apologies guys <laughs> blame um, um this was another sequence where there were so many machine guns no, that no, you're no. just not really sure what's going on it's just like constant shooting like for five minutes uh, I, I i also feel like there's something like four and a half thousand edits in this sequence <laughs> they're making it all smoothed out via the gunshots yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all um my, my favorite moment in the whole film happens here though so dragosh gets his head bitten off while still holding a machine gun um, yes that part is great <laughs> yeah it's, and his like upright twitching body discharges the gun hits the fuel tank on one of the jeeps and makes it explode in what is like an absolute mushroom cloud <laughs> something much as much as you like that there's something happens immediately after this that made me question how good a herpetologist amanda is and that's the bit where they find the snake skin okay uh the big giant discarded snake skin and it's just got this little uh tracker just stuck to it like <laughs> Surely, she knows enough about snakes to know they shed their skin, and it should maybe have been implanted deeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, here's this like thing that's smaller than a fingernail on this gigantic. <laughs> we just precariously balanced it on top of the snake and hope for the best. <laughs> I think that it's fair to say that given how cocky the hunters were like 10 minutes ago, that this first encounter with a snake is an unmitigated disaster. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if this is around the same time or a little bit later, but snake vision comes back into play in this movie like all the other ones. But this one, it's like every time they go to snake vision, it just has this like warm orangey like filter on it, which I really don't know why that's snake vision. Uh, agreed, yeah. Hey, yeah. what's weird? Go on. When it cuts back and they're trying to, like, heal Grozny? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's very dead. And she's, like, trying to, she's trying to, like, uh, she's trying to revive him. <laughs> and she's like, pass me the first aid kit. I'm like, you're going to need more than a fucking first aid kit. There's, there's nothing in that little first aid kit out of that truck that is going to fix this enormous gaping wound in this man's torso. And then also what you said about the Susan in the first scene that died. <laughs> he's like, Amanda's like, 
way too invested in this death. She doesn't even know this fucking dude. This is like towards the last guy who dies at the end of the movie. This type of reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that's right that's that's a great show actually yeah she met that guy like an hour ago <laughs> yes. I, I would have loved at the end when nick blows up for her to be running around trying to resuscitate all the bits <laughs> <laughs> she'd be picking it all up no no a uh, uh, finger a uh, uh, bit of snake uh. <laughs> um, i think something really funny happens here it's like so i think it's established before they go into the jungle they're like, uh, we should really wait for David Hasselhoff. And then the guy's like, Grozny, he's like, no, fuck David Hasselhoff. We're going in. And everyone's like, well, okay. This ends disastrously. They go back to regroup. David Hasselhoff shows up. And then the guy, Nick, kind of gives it this like, well, 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 look who decided to show up kind of thing. And it's like, it's your fault that everyone's dead. <laughs> There's a bit just before that match that I love. It's when, you know, those like the one kind of woman snake hunter. Yes, Hoff, Sophia. Like, Sophia, yeah, thank you. And the the guy in the hoodie, they're like running through the woods after the snake. And she's like, oh, I see it, I see it. And he's like, where, where? And she's like, oh, it's at 12 o'clock. And I was like, huh, that's right in front of you. Like, how could you possibly miss a 60-foot snake right in front of you? Like, that's that's just about the most easy-to-see thing I can think of. Except for a plane. <laughs> is this the same sequence? I don't know if it is. When she's driving and he's just constantly yelling at her. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you want her to do? <laughs> this entire bit is amazing. So I think, think, that the name of the other animal hunter in the Jeep at this point is Victor. Um, and Amanda's there as well. This is very much, I think, like the B grade of the two Jeeps in terms sure. of quality of personnel but victor gets his face burned with a snake acid um or whatever it is basically and this is all in the same sequence when what you were talking about jill when he's like shrieking at her she immediately rolls the jeep and uh the, she's like lying there on the ground being like ah oh, my leg's broken it's like credible theory it's at a 40 degree angle and the bone is sticking through the skin yep. and then she dies immediately <laughs> It's broken. In her defense, that I can. Oh no, I'm way too in tune with this stuff. I can tell they use that clip of her reaching down. That was they're probably planning on using that later, but they put it in sooner. And it's like she's reacting to a question that happens later. <laughs> <laughs> I know way too much about this. The editing of this movie. Okay. Hey, did you guys notice? Um, just when the Hoff turns up and they kind of regroup and they're like, right, we're going to set out. One of the guys goes into a jeep and takes out a tracking device, which yes. is this enormous shoulder carried two-handed thing with like these massive large balls on the end yes i laughed so hard at that contraption i was expecting some little handheld i don't know like a pka meter at ghostbusters and it's this enormous fucking thing (laughs) unwieldy is not even the word like it it couldn't be carried by me i'm not a strong man no it's a two-person lift minimum (laughs) for safety if nothing else yeah i think hasselhoff showing up late is a budget constriction. <laughs> I think that, that was a decision based on the production. And they're like, oh, we, can ha- we, can ha- we can afford him for like three days. So how do we make his part only, you know, these th- That's totally what that shit is. Yeah, that was, that was dictated more by like circumstance than story. Do you know, I buy the Hoff as a tough guy. Yeah, sure. You do buy him as yeah. a tough guy? <laughs> yeah, I do. 
Okay. Jill, you sound less sure. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about him. Just to give her death, the airtime it deserves, Sophia does die shortly after she breaks her leg. She gets eaten alive by a snake. This is all going disastrously. <laughs> Hoff uh, appears and saves the day temporarily, scares the snake off. Um, Are you talking about the bit that is ripped off directly from Predator? Uh, yeah. With the mud? <laughs> Um, yeah, he intervenes, scares the snake off, greets the news of the mass death that's just happened with complete indifference, and then they <laughs> head out. Uh, more reused footage from the flashbacks at this point as well. Yeah, we just get a really... It's really just a recap of how everyone died. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, I mean, she's a herpetologist, right? She's she's a researcher, she's a doctor. Like, she's not used to seeing this amount of people brutally murdered in front of her in the one day. Like, I, I can imagine it would have an effect on your psyche. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean you know what i mean yeah it's yeah. true she's had a day i can forget basically what i'm saying is i can forgive this flashback fair, fair enough okay yeah no that's that's reasonable it's, it's 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 probably a little less egregious than the first one what i think is funny here is when they get back together and amanda basically reveals in what again i think is supposed to be kind of ominous but kind of feels more like a comedy uh-oh moment because she's like uh oh uh by the way uh that snake in case you hadn't figured it out not only is it a genetically engineered super snake, uh, it's also <laughs> pregnant with a horde of tiny baby super snakes, and everyone's like, fucking great. Yeah, hence the title. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but, but speaking of the title, and not, you know, just to spoil the ending for anybody, but we never really get to experience the offspring. Like, is that in part four? <laughs> or is that when we finally get to see that part? You see a hint of it. You see a couple <laughs> of them. But it's certainly, it's certainly you just all the chat. If called the offspring, it would be like more about like the babies would get out mm. sooner and attack everyone like they're so worried. Like he says, in about an hour, this entire country is going to be overrun by baby snakes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that, right? That's so the best line in the movie. <laughs> All the conversation is of a really serious apocalyptic nature, right? And then ultimately, when you kind of do see a brief kind of glimpse of some baby snakes at the end, they don't look very threatening at all. They look quite small. No, that's true. Um, but yeah, fair point though. It is called Offspring and they're not the focus of it. Andy, it's the, it's the people under the stairs all over again. I'll come up with a title before the end. You better, yeah. Um, at this point, the hunt continues. And I think that like, I actually, like once this film shifts gears, it's just like people going to different locations and being killed by snakes. <laughs> yes. Like, like a reasonably long portion of it is just that. Um, by the way, I've this... got my title. Mamaconda. Oh. <laughs> there it yes. is. That'll do. There it is. Uh, for, for unrehearsed, Andy, I'm impressed. So uh, the hunt takes us to um, some rundown building or other at this point. It's another factory, just like in the first film. She okay. remember in the first film, like Ice Cube and Jennifer Lopez go to that old factory, and she's like, "Oh, this factory yeah. will have everything that a, a growing snake needs." Um, <laughs> she is a she takes a left turn, member, and she kind of has a glimpse down that road, and she's like, "Fuck." There's a factory down there. I have it on good authority from anecdotal evidence in this film I once saw that mm -hmm. anacondas love factories. They can't get enough of factories. <laughs> that's all. That's all they want. <laughs> Bound by the wheels of capitalism. Deadly amphibians and fierce industrialists. They are reptiles, Mitch. Please. <laughs> Sorry, my mistake. 
Yeah, there's another snake stand off here. I feel like I'm just going to be saying, like, it's like, oh, yeah, and then they go here, and then there's more snakes. However, a lot of slow motion and a lot of weapons discharged at this one snake in this building. It's all for naught. Poor one out for Pincus at this point. He is stabbed. Also, the snake regurgitates Sophia in what is a hilarious and tragic chain of events. <laughs> I'm going to tell you now, Mitch, I will not pour out one for Pincus because I did not like him. I had zero respect for him. <laughs> zero respect. <laughs> um, but yeah, but his his death compared to the death of Susan, his his death is cast off, um, like <laughs> very casually. So again, everybody split up into subgroups. I, at this point, I'm kind of like I, I I was very quickly just losing the thread. I was I, I was I was watching this or on the train home from Sheffield today, and I was trying to write and watch while also on a moving train. And when they split up into two subgroups again, I was like, what is this now? Mm. <laughs> My notes do the same thing. After that epic line from Hasselhoff about the baby snakes, <laughs> yeah. I have like no notes for 15 minutes because it just be, and I'm like, I don't under know what happened here, but a lot of things happened. Yeah, <laughs> gonna try and run through um, a kind of hopefully a cliff notes of what goes on here. Can so I just uh, say quickly, Mitch, before you start that, I just want yeah. to say how dumb is Amanda that when Hasselhoff made that very fake phone call to the military that she didn't go. <laughs> You didn't phone anyone there. That was the <laughs> fakest phone call I've ever heard. Beep, bloop, bloop, bloop. Hello, soldier guys. Yep. Yep, big snakes. Yep, yep. You know where to find me, bye. Uh, the soldier guys are mad. <laughs> right, so I... Am I understanding this correct, then? That we go from one dilapidated factory to another? Because... No. Okay, right. So is that the same one? That is, yeah. Right, okay. So... <laughs> It would have been a very factory-heavy jungle if that had been the case. <laughs> Romania's full of them. Yeah, the reason that I think that everyone's notes might thin out here is everyone kind of follow... I've written down, follow the snakes inside this building like it's not a really stupid sentence. <laughs> but um, they go inside and the kind of skulking around seems to take forever. Yeah, it takes fucking ages. This sequence notable also, a fake-out jump scare results in Nick absolutely raining bullets on a small group of rats, none of whom he seems to kill. <laughs> Nick also dies here. Um, <laughs> right before he dies, doesn't he put a like a detonator of some kind or a bomb or something in the snake's mouth? Yeah, with his uh, last ounce of strength, that's what he does. But doesn't he also <laughs> drop the, the like uh, Chekhov's detonator? Yes, this is a nonsense thing that we are looking at here. How do you mean? What doesn't make sense to me, though, is like he puts this, to me it more looks like one of those like grenades he throws in it, in its mouth. But then later we see this like detonator separate of it that counts down. Like, is that connected to the thing in the snake's mouth? What is going on? <laughs> Andy, I am getting the impression that you've got a better handle on this than us. Uh, those are separate explosive devices, Joe. Uh <laughs> He certainly Several. He, he certainly blows up the male snake with a hand grenade. Um, but in the melee, he does drop. I believe he does drop some kind of detonator with a kind of comedy countdown timer on it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, when when that kind of when that kind of becomes a key thing. It's like, oh, it really is handy that that detonator has a giant bright red digital readout, so we know exactly how long it's going to take. <laughs> Uh, the big twist at this point is that David Hasselhoff is working for Murdoch. 
Yeah, yeah. By the way, what's he up to in that little scene where you see him? I'm guessing that all that's going to come out in the wash in the fourth part. It better. <laughs> but I was very, I was very intrigued by that little hint at deviousness during this reveal. Uh, I've written down that Andre is killed. I have no idea how I have such a firm grasp of everyone's names because I don't remember who these people are now. Who, who's Andre? <laughs> I mean, I guess by process of elimination, the only hunter that hasn't died yet. But um, but Murdoch wants dead. a live... What's up? They're all dead by this point. Who's Have I made someone up? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we're all phoning in our attention span on this segment a little bit. <laughs> I have to know that I lost interest in this segment. Then I came back when Hasselhoff yeah, like, was holding her Amanda at gunpoint and with the twist yeah i i think that there's maybe like 10 or 15 minutes of dead weight just before that happens where this is just trying to get itself from a to b and it just does it in a way that is extremely dull and uncompelling (laughs) (laughs) and that is and that is and that is a sequence that takes in an exploding snake (laughs) he also offers to like cut her in if she'll join their side because he obviously wants her like science know-how her herpetology know-how i cringe so hard when she like pretends that she's gonna do it she's like yeah then she just goes not and punches him Uh. (laughs) and then suddenly after being a total fucking wet blanket for the whole film reveals that she's an incredible hand-to-hand combat veteran yeah Without that knife, she would she would have got her. Oh yeah, <laughs> she uh, gets some good blows in with the lead pipe at this point, though. Yeah, and stabs <laughs> yeah, him. yeah, was gonna, yeah, and then she stabs him, and ultimately, yeah, we do lose, uh, we we do lose the half here. We are closing in on the ending. She also blows a snake up by uh, shouting "Happy Trails, slimy bitch." Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah. How did I miss that one? Yeah, that's her That's her like dry, cool, wet, kiss-off action hero line for when she blows off the snake. Well, she blows up the whole fucking factory. I don't know which factory, you know, which of the many factories. <laughs> <laughs> when she stabbed Hoff and like left him there, at first I'm like, is she just going to like let him survive? Is he going to slowly die? What's happening? Yeah. And then we blow up the whole place. It's like, oh, I see. Okay. But she does one of those uh, I'm too cool to look at explosions things. Yes. I, I also wrote that down. <laughs> An iconic lo- shot, okay? You got to walk away from a burning building like you don't give a fuck. Yep. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Has to be done. Um, however, we do. We, so she escapes, which is a happy ending of sorts. She uh, burns her documentation, um, removing herself from this entire equation and getting herself out of the giant genetically modified super snake research game once and for all. <laughs> <laughs> but important here is where we get the little hint about hopefully how great part four is going to be. <laughs> yes. Because random dude steals one of the baby snakes for Murdoch. Yeah, so um, Murdoch's dispatched um, an underling who uh, goes into this <laughs> uh, this burned out factory, and like you say, like God knows what God knows how he knew which one to go into, but he does find the anaconda <laughs> and take it, um, and heads back presumably to deliver it to Murdoch. And at that point, this film ends, um, but also leaves it wide open for Anaconda's trail of blood. <laughs> oh, how good does that sound part four i also love the fact that for the fourth one you know because it was the, the first one was obviously anaconda then it was anaconda's hunt for the blood orchid yeah and then this is anaconda singular offspring and then the fourth <laughs> one is anaconda's trail of blood 
You know, I'm still upset. Like, I wrote this note at the end. Blonde, like, drives away into the sunset and the credits roll. And I'm like, we never saw the offspring. Entitled. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just quickly talk about the director of this? Just very quickly. Don E. Fauntleroy, right? He's made such classic films as Snakehead Swamp and Damn Sea Vampires. Right? <laughs> but he has also been the DP on pretty much everything that Victor Salva has made, including yeah, the three Jeepers Keepers films. Care less for that information. But wait, guys, he did Trail of Blood, so Almost we're about to experience his work again here soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, like it or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll, be, we'll be heading back down this fucking rabbit hole. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> this, this by, uh, by very few objective standards, is a good film, but here we are with another one that I remember, like, midway through, I was just like, this is gonna be fun. Like, these films stopped being good after the first one, but they never stopped being entertaining, I don't think. Yeah, I don't care who you are, this is a terrible film, but I had fun watching it. I did too. This one, because of how bloody it is, would actually be fun to watch, like, with people partying, but it, what was silly is that part where we all lose interest there's like tons of kills that part should be fun to watch so that doesn't really make sense yeah uh-huh it's it really is considering like they get a couple of set pieces not right but they get a lot a set like a, a lot of the set pieces from earlier a lot closer to right than this you're right it's like when it's really shifting gears in a very noticeable way it's so strange that that's when it hits such a slump uh, momentum wise i'm just getting excited already about part four <laughs> our our girl amanda Hayes returns. She's in the movie. Wow, okay. Nice. <laughs> she's on the cover even, so I'm wondering if she's like still the lead again or what? Sweet. Interesting. Do you know what would have made this film perfect, guys? Go 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 on. A comedy monkey <laughs> who was the avatar for the audience. <laughs> oh I do miss that monkey. Uh, oh, man. I miss the monkey. <laughs> I like the idea of like yeah when something confusing happens it just cuts to the monkey who looks directly into the camera and shrugs <laughs> you guess is fucking as good as mine mate I'm a monkey <laughs> don't look at me I'm a monkey <laughs> okay so um, without necessarily going to the conclusion that this is any good are we all in agreement that right can we just will we distill this down to this is a more enjoyable trash film than Anaconda's Hunt for the Blood Orchid. And two, are we all sufficiently invested in the outcome of this that we are obviously going to do the fourth one? Yep. <laughs> yes. yes. The fourth one actually has 0.1 more on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the, the rating? Oh, yep. God. So it's 0.1 Anaconda of a point 3. more. The better film. Well, I mean, Anaconda 3 is at 2.8 stars. Oh, oh my fuck. god. Anaconda 4. Wait, no, I'm looking at 2. I'm on the wrong thing. Dude, Anaconda 2 has 4.7. That's wrong. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. I was like that's uh, like that that's all fucking backwards. Let me add my rating to this. 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get I gotta get part two, or I mean part three, up there a little bit. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, we, like, yeah. We, we should, we should all go in and do that. We like, we're gonna start a resurgence. Um, Jill, the last time that you were here, it was the week before Fright Fest 2019. You were gonna be heading over there, and uh, it was kind of just the launch of the Kickstarter for your feature, The Stylist. 
Um, here we are 12 months later, and quite a lot of stuff has happened since then. Yeah, I can't believe that it's been a year since the last time we were doing this, and that it's already Fright Fest again, kind of. The whole world's obviously completely changed since last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am really excited. The feature is now set to have its international premiere at the Sitches International Film Festival in October. And so... Now we actually have to finish it. Yeah, you better. Yeah, um, th- that's uh, that's amazing news, by the way. Congratulations. Yeah, that's huge. congratulations, man. It's a great festival. Thank you. I'm so excited. Uh, I've never had anything screened there. Um, wish I could be attending. They're preparing an in-person festival and a virtual edition. Either they'll do both or one or the other, depending on, you know, every few days, the world is changing a little bit right now. Yeah. Um, but we also have more screening news coming out next week. So Ooh, cool. Okay. Excited for that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, seeing, seeing as we're going to be landing probably just a few days before you can tell people about that, we'll make a point of telling people about that when the news drops as well. Yes. But um, yes, yeah, I mean, it's all really exciting. I mean, like, obviously, like, um, the, the Kickstarter was an absolute like runaway success, which was awesome. So how much of the work on this was done during the kind of lockdown part of 2020? A lot. We basically have done our entire post-production in this situation, which for post, it's, it hasn't you know impeded on it that much since a lot of post is really one person at a time kind of you know working on it on a computer or something similar there has been challenges because we already are kind of all over the country like i'm in kansas city a lot of my post team is in wisconsin and in chicago so we do a lot of it long distance anyway but like right now we're kind of facing the challenge of chicago has all these states on certain states on a quarantine like if i were to travel there from here i have to quarantine for two weeks before i can do anything right okay so like i need to get up there to finish our sound mix so stuff like that has really that has affected it but most of post it's been pretty easy because we do it this way anyway um like my editor is in a different city what we use is this anyone in the film world uh use this awesome program called frame io where you can upload the film to and comment it like comment on it frame by frame you can even draw right on the picture so it's like a really interactive way to to do that kind of stuff remotely um but it's as if we knew this was going to happen like looking (laughs) at it because we wrapped shooting in the middle of february like najara our lead townsend our lead actress lives in the uk so i mean i imagine like if we were two weeks later she might not have been able to go back home like Mm. March is really when it really started to hit the fan and stuff started to close. Yeah, that was, I think that, that was when kind of, that was when like, yeah, America and the UK is like really kind of leaned into it. Yeah, you're right. God, that was, that was a couple of weeks away from being an absolute disaster um, for Nigeria. Yeah, so looking back on it, I feel like really lucky and that's really what inspired me to do it in the first place was another like life reminder that life is really short and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. So you better do whatever you're trying to do now. Mm-hmm. And then all this happened, and I was like, there's further proof that that's what that is, means to me. Definitely. Um, Jill, this is this has been amazing. It always is. It's always it's always a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, we'll need yeah. to figure out at what point we're going to do number four, because I think that we're all in agreement it has to happen. Heck yeah. Uh, and I don't feel like we can wait a whole year again. <laughs> I agree. Well, I agree. If not only because we know that part four is a direct sequel with this one. Like, what's going to happen, guys? 
I know. Uh, yeah, I, I feel I feel like it's incumbent on us to do it sooner rather than later just because of that. We totally should. Yeah, but we're, like, I think we need to strike while everyone's still at fever pitch, assuming that everybody else is as riveted by this as we are, which they presumably <laughs> will be. Of course they will be. You just wanted to use your uh, snake lingo. You Strike while the iron's on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Strike while your tail is barbed. as the old saying goes um (laughs) jill uh where can people keep up with you on social media i'm assuming they know by now but tell us again anyway yes find me at jill six with two x's everywhere all the social medias and um at the stylist film or sixtape.com okay cool jill Thanks so much. This has been great. Congratulations. I hope the good news keeps coming for the stylist. I'm sure that it will. Yeah, absolutely, Jill. I'm over the moon for you. Uh, great, great news. And I can't wait to see the film. Yeah. Thank you so much. I can't wait for you guys to see it too. Amazing. Thank you. Can you believe it's been a year since the last time we did that? No, actually, I just asked you before we hit record on this, Mitch, um, when we last had Jill on, and I, I can barely wrap my mind around the fact that it was almost exactly a year ago. Feel, that feels like a lie, but the, the dates were right there in front of me. Um, but she's had an amazing year, and it looks like great things on the horizon. Big thank you, of course, to Jill Gavargazian, joining us for the third time, for the third installment in the Anaconda franchise. You ever wonder like, what sequence of decisions you've made to get yourself to a point in your life? I think buying the Anaconda box set from 88 Films was something that made me keen, certainly, to do the rest of them. Otherwise, if I'm honest, I probably would never watch the third or fourth one. I think that that came out around the time we were doing the first one. And I think that when you mentioned that that existed, we all had the light bulb moment at the same time of being like, you know what might be fun? And here we are. Uh, I think probably like 18 months maybe after Jill was on first now uh, concluding our chat on Anaconda Offspring. So uh, it's only a matter of time. We will, of course, do Anaconda Trail of Blood. Yeah, we'll need to get Blair back soon to do the, the next Lake Placid film. Yeah, so we can do um, uh, Lake Placid versus Anaconda. <laughs> the crossover you never knew you needed. I like passionately want to do that. It has to happen. But for now, we are just about done for another one, I guess. We are, man. Like, these are flying by now, just scooting by. By the way... Congratulations on our uh, quarter thousand episodes. God, when you say it like that. Yeah. That's yeah, that's fearsome stuff. Yeah, 250 broadcasts. Yeah, wow. Uh, thank you very much to everybody, of course, for listening this time and any of the rest of the times you've done that. Yeah. The, <laughs> very uh, decent of you. If you're still in the 100% club, that means you've listened to an ungodly amount of us talking utter nonsense. So heroes and sheroes, every one of you. Absolutely. However, of course, the next thing on that list will be Minisode 118. Mm. which will be landing this Monday. We're doing all the usual stuff there. Assuming that I've watched one, I will have a 90s side quest movie for you. I will have one done. I just haven't yet because I've been at Frightfest. Yeah. Uh, reality starts for me again tomorrow, uh, so I'll start taking care of business in that way uh, over the next day or two. I've got I'll to have say, something. though, I'm not going to be able to help you with that now because you're, you're, you're not going to be able to come over here. Yeah, because yeah, Glasgow's on lockdown again. Yeah. No fun. Uh, but we will be talking about what we've been watching. We will be playing Mitch's Pitches, taking a look at your feedback. And we will, of course, let you know everything that you need to know about next week's episode. In the meantime, you can get in touch with us through all the usual channels, Facebook and Instagram, or Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can email Scenes at gmail.com and interact with other listeners on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. 
Yep, and check out our Patreon page because we've got one at patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes. Tons of stuff on there. Yeah, and more to come. We're actually just uh, having a little bit of a scheme right now about what's next for the Patreon subscribers. But yeah, head on over there. If uh, for some reason this isn't enough um, and you feel like you want some more, we are uh, always coming up with some new things to try on there. So uh, yeah, get in on that. Yeah, thanks guys again for everything. You're amazing. We will be back this Monday with another mini-sode. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.